With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. A belated Happy Labor Day to all our U.S.-based listeners. So there may have been just a one-day delay to the show given the long weekend holiday, but there are already so many big developments to catch up on. Chinese gaming companies may be wondering if it could soon be game over after the country imposed some tough new rules. Also, the entertainment sector has been ordered to close its doors to any stars engaging in any so-called unpatriotic or unethical behavior. Plus, President Xi Jinping has vowed to establish a Beijing-based stock exchange, especially for small and mid-sized companies. With all the latest business news, here's what has been happening in China over the past seven days. While many students may be getting ready to go back to school this month, a number of Chinese students hoping to head to the UK for their higher education are now finding themselves in limbo due to extensive visa delays. Caixin has learned of delays experienced by students who have submitted their applications to visa centers around China, including in Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, and Hangzhou. Though the standard processing time is meant to be around 15 working days, some applicants who applied back in July are still waiting for their applications to be returned. Even applicants who've shelled out thousands of yen to have their applications fast-tracked are failing to get their visas within the expected time frame. Last week, the British Embassy in Beijing said that UK Visas and Immigration, the Home Office's department responsible for assessing visa applications and issuing travel documents, is swamped under a large number of applications and is therefore experiencing delays. The embassy added that it would work around the clock to ensure that the current situation can be improved as soon as possible. Well, from China and the UK to China and the USA, last week saw China's special envoy on climate change, Xie Zhenhua, meet with his U.S. counterpart John Kerry in the northern city of Tianjin to discuss bilateral climate cooperation and the United Nations climate talks scheduled for later this year. As the world's largest carbon emitters, the two countries appear to see climate change as an area with potential for cooperation, offering a possible path to re-engagement after four years of turbulent ties while Donald Trump was U.S. president. Last week, China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi also met with Kerry, although via video link. 
During the virtual meeting, Wang has urged Washington to meet halfway to get the bilateral relationship back on track, saying China-U.S. cooperation on climate change cannot be sustained without improved ties. The foreign minister added that as two great world powers, cooperation is the only right choice and the keen expectation of the international community. In other news related to China's climate goals, the country plans to invest 2.3 billion yuan, or nearly $360 million, to support projects in pollution-solving, energy-saving, and decarbonization. The investment will cover energy-saving reconstruction, energy efficiency optimization, resource recycling, and desalination projects. According to the National Development and Reform Commission, the investment will give preference to projects in the Beijing-Tianjin-Hebei region, the Guangdong-Hong Kong-Macau Greater Bay Area, the Yangtze Delta region, the Yellow River Basin, and national pilot zones for ecological conservation. Ride-hailing firms have been told to clean up their act by the end of the year. Bloomberg reports that officials from the Transportation Ministry and other departments summoned executives from 11 companies, including Didi, Meituan, and Alibaba's ride-sharing and navigation unit, AMAP, and criticized them for disrupting fair competition and hurting the interests of drivers and passengers. According to an official statement, the enterprises will be expected to undertake self-inspections, correct problematic issues, and also come up with draft compliance strategies by December. Shares of Chinese gaming giant NetEase Inc. dropped 7% in pre-market trading on August 30th after the National Press and Publication Administration rolled out tough new restrictions on how much time children can play online. Meanwhile, Bilibili plunged 4% in pre-market trading. According to the new guidelines, online gaming platforms are only allowed to let underage players play on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, and public holidays, from 8pm to 9pm. The new guidelines reiterate that companies should strictly implement a real-name registration system, adding that, quote, under no circumstances can operators offer gaming services to anyone with uncompleted real-name registration. It's also not exactly been a week of fun and games for certain Chinese celebrities. China's broadcasting regulator last week banned stars with so-called incorrect political positions, unethical behavior, or effeminate male styles from television shows and movies. The news reflects the fact that the state is stepping up its oversight of the booming entertainment industry. The National Radio and Television Administration issued a notice on strengthening the management of cultural and entertainment programs and personnel, giving specific guidance on what the entertainment industry can no longer do. The ban came in the wake of a series of celebrity scandals involving tax evasion, sexual assault, and unpatriotic behavior. TV shows and programs featuring actors and actresses caught up in the scandals have been taken down. The regulator also ordered broadcasters to rein in high payments to stars and clamp down on celebrity tax evaders. Moving on now to some big financial news, President Xi said that China will set up a new stock exchange in Beijing to provide a major money-raising platform for innovative small and medium enterprises. The news comes as Beijing tries to increase the role of equity funding in the financial system. 
In a short speech via video at the opening last week of the China International Fair for Trade in Services, Xi vowed to overhaul the new third board. The new third board refers to the National Equities Exchange and Quotations, an existing Beijing-based over-the-counter market serving small and mid-sized enterprises. The new exchange will be in line with wider government support for smaller businesses as China's recovery shows signs of losing momentum. Let's welcome back Caixin Global's podcast producer and co-producer of this program, Nandini Venkata, who joins from Beijing. Nandini, how are you? Hey, Kaiser. Great to be here again. So you're back to talk about ByteDance again, but not about their financials or the performance of its popular products. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm not here today to chat about TikTok or indeed um, the app's Chinese version, Douyin. Instead, um, what I want to talk about is some interesting news related to the company's actual internal management. Um, so just last week, Saishin reported on um, how ByteDance staff have actually had um, their salaries cut by quite a bit. So from what we understand, a lot of the employees um, saw their salaries in August um, shrink by around 20%. Although, of course, the absolute value of um, pay loss varies um, by position because, of course, the um, base salary differences. Now, of course, um, for many employees, this would sound like a dreadful surprise. But for the tech giants' employees, they actually knew that this pay cut was coming. And this is all because um, ByteDance has made some big differences to its work hour policies. So, Before, the company had a special overtime schedule, which was called um, Big Weeks and Small Weeks. And as employees um, from ByteDance have told Session, this schedule basically um, necessitated staff to work every other Sunday. So in other words, um, the employees used to rotate between working five-day work weeks and six-day work weeks. So... Now that the company has switched to a less intensive schedule and is giving employees indeed a full weekend off, they are no longer entitled to the relevant overtime pay, hence the pay cut. Okay, so ByteDance is an enormous company, obviously, and it operates the wildly successful TikTok or Douyin. Uh, why, though, are work hours and overtime policy there something that our listeners should be paying attention to? Yeah, so... I think there are big reasons why this story is worth paying attention to, and it's actually not about ByteDance itself. So first of all, I think it's pretty interesting to see how the staff reacted to all of this. So while I think a lot of us would think we would be pretty happy to take a pay cut if that meant we could get more free time, it actually turns out that for quite a number of employees... At ByteDance, the opposite was true. Saishin learned that the company had actually held an internal survey before changing its work hour policy. And it emerged that quite surprisingly, actually about one in three employees were against the cancellation of the Sunday overtime policy because they didn't want to say goodbye to that extra pay. And 
I guess one notable reason for this is because under the previous policy, employees had earned double if they worked on Sundays. And there was even one um, employee who told Saishin that he had recently purchased a house in Beijing. Um, but obviously, when he applied for his mortgage, he didn't expect that that chunk of income that came from the overtime pay to suddenly disappear. And I guess this could therefore yield some um, interesting food for thought for companies if they are thinking to revise their work schedules, which is actually something that we are seeing increasingly in China's tech sphere. A lot of companies um, in the tech industry in China seem to be gradually stepping away from the overtime culture. And that's something pretty astounding because after all, not too long ago, a lot of big tech firms in the country were really encouraging their employees to put in the extra work hours to not only um, help the businesses grow, but also advance their own individual careers and their own earning capabilities. And of course, uh, I guess one of the most famous examples of all of this is the so-called 996 um, work schedule, as I'm sure you're very well aware, that requires people to work from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week. Now, for a lot of us, the thought of having to abide by a 996 work schedule may sound like a real nightmare, but um, for Jack Ma, who's, of course, the man behind Tencent, well, he quite infamously called this grueling schedule a blessing. However, fast forward to today, and it seems like a number of tech firms in China are singing quite a different tune. Okay, I wonder if we could go a little deeper into this and identify some of the companies that are already abandoning 996 and, and why maybe you think this is happening now. Why are they, are they turning now to less demanding work schedules? Yeah, so in answer to your first question, um, Kaiser, since early summer this year, we've seen a number of companies um, alter their work hours. Uh, so for one, um, in June... Um, ByteDance competitor Kuaishou actually became the first um, Chinese internet company to formally abandon that um, big small week policy. Mm. Since then, the food delivery giant Meituan and also the online recruitment platform Boss Jirpin have gone down the same path as, of course, has ByteDance. Mm -hmm. Now, that these businesses may want to distance themselves from the 996 um, phenomenon isn't really too much of a shock, um, at least in my opinion. In general, the overtime work culture has always been pretty controversial in China. For quite a while, a lot of Chinese social media users have spoken out about how this could potentially be harmful for society. Indeed, as many have said, if you ask employees to spend almost all their waking hours in the office, then how can they possibly attend to their elderly parents, let alone raise kids? And of course, um, this is a question that becomes ever more important in a country which is, of course, grappling with the aging population. Now, aside from that, earlier this year, things really escalated even further after the deaths of two young employees at the e-commerce giant Pinduoduo. 
Right. Remind us of what happened there, would you? So in the first of these cases, um, a 22-year-old employee had collapsed and died after getting off work late. And then just um, about two weeks after that, another worker at Pindodor, who was also um, in his 20s, jumped to his death from a high-rise building. And after these tragedies, um, a number of reports came out about just how tough and demanding it is to work at Pindwadur and what pressure um, the employees there face. So it really lit a huge firestorm online about um, what damage um, such exhausting schedules can have on people's um, physical and mental health. All this backlash may then explain why, just in August, China's top court did eventually come out and say that the 996 work schedule is illegal and called it a serious violation of China's labor law. Indeed. Now, something else which could possibly also be influencing the behavior of these tech companies is um, Beijing's newly announced... um, vision of common prosperity. So as a reminder, back in August, um, China's leadership um, expressed its desire to encourage a society where wealth is shared among all people rather than being held by just a tiny handful. So according to um, Xinhua, the state-owned media agency, at an economic policy meeting, Chinese President Xi Jinping said that common prosperity is an essential requirement of socialism and a key feature of Chinese-style modernization. Um, And at this meeting, the nation's leaders also vowed to strengthen regulation of wealthy people. And that also includes encouraging um, high-earning groups and enterprises to give back to society. Yes, this has been on everyone's mind. So what's the response been from these tech firms? So since then, um, a number of tech firms, um, which are obviously very wealthy, and obviously the people at the top make a lot of money, well, they've come out um, by showing how they are giving back to society, um, for example, through charity donations, and also expressing how their business missions are aligned with the common prosperity goals. I think something that's amused a lot of people is how um, some tech billionaire founders um, are even suddenly bringing up how their company names actually have all along had these deeper meanings that echo the sentiment of um, the common prosperity vision. (laughs) So I guess in this new climate for an extremely wealthy tech CEO to call on his or her workers to um, keep toiling around the clock even though they may be earning, obviously, a lot less money than the CEO, all of that is going to seem a bit tone deaf. What all of this means um, for the bottom line of these businesses um, with them changing their work schedules, well, that's something that um, I'm sure a lot of people are very interested in, but um, it's something that we'll just have to wait and see as it develops. All right. Well, thanks, Nandini, for that excellent breakdown. We look forward to having you back on the show. Thanks, Kaiser. Speak to you soon. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. 
The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. If you want to listen to our extensive back catalog of podcasts or check out more of Caixin Global's great journalism, download our app or head online to caixinglobal.com. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.